You're listening to the Second Corinthians Weakness and Strength Sermon Series, preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Take your Bibles this evening. We can start Galatians 5 is where we'll start, but we're going to end up in Galatians 2.20 in just a little bit here. Let me just review from this morning and sort of pick up where we left off earlier. We just finished chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. Again, this idea of confrontation, where Paul is confronting the church. There's a problem there. And, and Paul is worried that because of their immaturity, because of their worldliness, that they're going to have some trouble with what he says to them. But his desire is simply that they would be edified. They'd be brought back into proper relationship. And so as he confronts them, he appeals to two things. He says, I want you to understand something. I'm coming to you like your spiritual father. I love the church, is what he's saying. I've given my life, my blood, my sweat, my tears. I know you. You know me. And I've, I've, I have the right to speak truth into your life out of respect and out of the love that you know I have. And then he says, not only am I a spiritual father, but I have faithfully been a man of integrity. We talked about that this morning, how important it is that our words fall not to the ground, that we be people of truth and integrity. And Paul says, this is what I'm appealing to you for. And again, the whole purpose is for edification, for flourishing, for building up the church, for getting them on the right path, uh, for making it right. And, And let me just say to the church this evening, the church is a family, right? This is a family. And it, at times, can be a dysfunctional family, like all families are. But we don't stay there. Our goal is to look to the Word of God and to line up with the Word of God, to deal with one another in love and grace, and to grow. And so Paul says, this is what I want. This is the desire I have for you as we go through this confrontation. So we ended this morning by saying this. For every believer who knows Christ, there is a desire in all of us to say, yes, I know, this is true. I must see confrontation for what it is. I won't look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15 this evening, but it's a good one to look back at. Because Paul reminds us that it's in the speaking of truth with love to one another that we grow up. This confrontation, being confronted with the truth of the Word of God is the only way, the only way that will ever change. It's the only way to bring us in line to the life that God has for us. And so he says, that's the purpose. And so we have this desire, I want to flourish, and yet, we know, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, we have jackets, that this has been the story of my life. I have this desire, this is what I want, I know this to be true, but I know my own track record. And this is very difficult. And so we talked this morning about how to get to flourishing, uh, and it has to come through a fatality. And so this evening I want to talk about that maybe in more detail. My fear this evening is I'll be all over the map, and I don't want to do that. I want to try to stay in Galatians for as long as I can. But I've been, this has been going on in my head for weeks now about this truth, and I want to present it in a way that I hope that you can get a hold of and that I hope I can be clear on as well. When I say we want to flourish, I mean we want to understand the freedom that we have. This evening as believers, we have true freedom in Jesus Christ. Real freedom. Tonight we've been set free from the curse of the law, from the guilt within, from the fear of death, from the power of sin, 
from condemnation. We have been made free. And I want you to know something. This freedom that Christ has given us is not a freedom that now I can do whatever I want to do. And there's a number of believers in our hemisphere, in our culture, who believe I'm free in Christ, therefore I do whatever I want to do. This is what I feel like, I've got freedom, you know, the shackles are off, and so I'll do whatever pleases me. You do not understand freedom. You do not understand flourishing. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, I think Paul really helps us. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, called unto freedom. Only use not that liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so Paul reminds us we do have freedom in Christ. It's not so that we can do whatever we want to do. It's freedom now to live in a way that pleases God, that follows him, that does what pleases him, to really flourish and have freedom, and to serve one another. One of the great things about the the Sunday school class that Pastor Dan is teaching on about the Holy Spirit is we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But, but when you boil it all down, everything that's done in the church is to serve one another. Everything. There is not a gift, there's not a talent, there's not an ability, there's nothing that's given to you or to me for ourselves, for our own glory, for our own edification. It's always for others. And so Paul says, listen, as we think of this freedom that we have, and it is freedom, it is true freedom, it is not for you to do whatever you want. I have freedom now to live the life that God has called me to live, to please him, and to have the ability and the power to serve other people. Listen to me. There is a joy, a real joy, in serving the body of Christ. There's nothing like it. But now I have freedom to serve. And that's what he's talking about. And we know this and we get this, but we struggle with this. And that's what we talked about this morning. We must understand this fatality. We must understand now dying to ourselves. Let me read again from Tozer from this morning. He talks about the self-life, and here's what he says. My and mine look innocent enough, but their constant and universal use is significant. It shows symptoms of our deep disease. We are self-absorbed, self-ambitious, self-promoting, self-important, self-exalting, self-glorying. And it's self, self, self. It's me, me, me. And what it's doing is it's killing us. It's killing us. We're not designed as believers to live like that. And so that self must die. Now, turn to Galatians 2.20. This short verse is packed. It's packed. And it would do you well to memorize it. I learned it as a kid years and years ago because we had a music guy who turned it into music. And I I won't sing it for you because I would slaughter the tune, but that's how I remember it. No, I'm not going to sing it. I thought about it, but I'm not. It would be terrible. But that's how I know it. I am crucified with Christ, Paul speaking, for the believer, for our experience, I am crucified with Christ. To be crucified means what? You're dead. You're dead. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. And so just so that you're not confused, he says, nevertheless I live. When I say dead, 
not like this, but there's a dead now. There's something that Christ has crucified. When he died, there's something for the believer that died as well. It's this old nature. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ now lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, this life, this rubber meets the road life now, that we live in this flesh, I am living it now, I'm supposed to be living it now, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul reminds us of our true condition this evening. Uh, Hold your place in Galatians, but Romans 6.6 should come up here. And he says in Romans 6.6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul is not talking just about himself. He's not just talking about leadership or elders or deacons. He's talking about every believer in Christ. That now, in Christ, this old man has been crucified and put to death. That we no longer have to serve sin. That's our condition. We are in Christ. And this evening, it is imperative that we understand our identity on who we are now in Christ. Let me ask you a question, and I want you to think for a second. If I were to say to you this evening, are you righteous? Now think. Are you righteous? What's the answer to that? Mr. Manning? Right, our first response is no, right? Because we know ourselves. No, I'm not righteous. But here's the truth. In Christ Jesus, as God sees me tonight, Rick Dressler, in all of his faults and all of his sinfulness, is righteous in the sight of God. And if you don't believe that, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Chris says, For he hath made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Paul, again, is hammering home. The old man has been crucified. I now have this new man, and now I am righteous in God's sight. This is my new identity. The old man has died. I no longer live for him. It's dead. It's dead. Now, by death, I do not mean that just I'm disconnected from everything or I'm complacent in my life. That's not what it means. But by being dead, it means it no longer dictates my response. No longer. I'm not in bondage to that old man anymore because the old man is dead. Now, I want to give an illustration, and I thought tonight I would find somebody who looked like they were dead, but that might not be a good idea. I'm not going to pick someone who I think they look like they're dead. I was hoping Ian was here tonight. I was going to make fun of him, but that would not be nice. So let's just pretend Pastor Dan is dead. Not that I wish that, but let's just pretend Pastor Dan is just dead, okay? And I picked him because he's got tough skin and he knows that I, I kind of love him. So there are things I know about Dan that he enjoys and he likes. Now, let's just say he's dead, and I know that he enjoys the maple leaves. Right, Dan? You like watching them? Are they going to make the playoffs? They met. Congratulations. Fantastic. Everyone's happy. We're going to go out of church being happy now because the maple leaves made the playoffs. They're, they're, they're playing right now? Should we leave? Everyone's like, okay, come on, come on, stop it. Okay. So, but if, 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 so he loves them, he knows them, he follows them, you know, and, and he has a passion for them. 
But if he's dead, and I go up to Dan and say, Dan, I think the maple leaves stink. What's his response as a dead man? Nothing. He doesn't care. It has no sway over him. I know some things that Dan likes. If I said to Dan, as a dead man, Dan, I have some delicious hot chocolate chip cookies. Now, he might come back from the dead for that. I, I know. Right? But the truth is, there, that, that is no longer a temptation for him because he's dead. It has no sway. Now listen to me, believer. You've got to get this. We think that we have to act on our feelings, our emotions, our default settings because we've always done it that way. Paul says, wait a minute. I want you to know something. I have been crucified with Christ. That old nature, that old man is dead. It is dead. That is our condition. We have been buried with him, right? Crucified and raised with him, alive unto God. We have been set free from sin, and now we have become the slaves not of sin, but of righteousness. Now, back to Galatians 2.20. Here's what we must consider. We must consider... Romans 6.11, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this is our condition. Paul says, you've been crucified with Christ, but now he tells us you have to reckon, you must consider something. You must believe this to be true for you, that when God says that old man is dead, he means that old man is dead. My identity is no longer what I used to be. I am now alive in Christ Jesus. I must believe this to be true for me, whether I feel like it or not. Here's the problem with our feelings. Our feelings are really, really strong. And, and we do things often because of how we feel. Can I tell you something? The Bible never tells you to do anything based on your feelings. Ever. Ever. Feelings lie. Feelings deceive us. Feelings are powerful, but they don't make them always right. But we think, okay, I feel like I've got to do this again. I've got to be here again. I've got to say this again. And Paul says, wait a minute. This is your condition. Now you have to consider. You have to reckon this to be true. Sometimes we have this idea. Have you ever had like a, a, an itch in the middle of your back, right? And it's like, oh, I got it. Ugh. And so you're doing all this stuff. It's like, right? Because I've got to get that itch. I've got to scratch that thing. It's worse if you have a cast. We have a cast on our, two of our boys were casted. David and, and AJ, I don't think Greg's ever had a cast. He's had major surgery for all, a bunch of things. But I can remember the boys having a cast on and having this itch like, I've got to itch this thing. So you, they take a toothpick and try to stick it in there, and then a pencil, and then a crowbar. And, and you know, by the time they took off the cast, there were tons of stuff in there. Because I just have to scratch this itch. And that's what we think in our Christian life. It's like, man, I have to say this. I have to go there. I have to do this. I have to look. I have to sin. And Paul says, wait a minute. The old man is crucified. That's your condition. That's the truth of the matter. You've been crucified with Christ. We're alive now to God. Now you must consider this truth to be true for you. Reckon it to be true for you. And many times in our Christian life, here's where we fail, because we really think, i got to scratch this itch. 
I can't help myself. And Paul says, wait a minute. That's not flying. The old man has been crucified. Now you must consider him dead. And you think, no, that no, how is it going to help anybody? Can I tell you something? That truth does help everybody. It gives me my identity, and it gives me power to say no, because that old man does not dictate anymore what I will and will not do. I don't have to do that. And listen, I am talking in the most simple things like if I should shut up. And sometimes spiritually, you ought to just shut up. But I got this good zinger. Oh, I got him here. I got my list. I know I could put them in their place. I got a silver or a forked tongue, right? I could really nail them. Or just getting up in the morning. I just can't get out of bed. Can I tell you something? You can't. You can shut up and you can get up. You know why? Because the old man's dead. And you must reckon that to be true. It works for the smallest things and it works for the greatest things. I'm talking about addictions, pornography, drug abuse. When I understand my condition the way it truly is, my identity in Christ now, and I consider this to be true for me, listen, it changes everything. Everything. We must consider true in our own life. Now, back to Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Um, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That faith is what he said about who I am is true. It's true. If I can get you tonight to believe the fact that you are in Christ, you have a new identity, that's not who you are anymore, I promise you, you will start to see power in your life to say no to the old man, to the old nature, to all of those things that have dragged you down over and over again to this roller coaster ride of your Christian life. Because it gets old. And Paul says, by faith now, what Christ has done. I'm alive to God in Christ. He died for me. He rose again. And, and this is our God. This is the amazing part. Um, everything he does for us, it's good. And look at this. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Who loved me. You want to know how much God loves you tonight? He loved you so much he gave himself for you. He gave himself for you. He suffered. I mean, I'm going through Easter stuff now, and so my mind is constantly going back to the cross and those things. But I've been amazed lately at the, at the, at the weakness of Christ and the fact that the God of heaven doesn't mind coming into my sin and my weakness and my inability. He's okay with that. He's comfortable with that. He's identified with us. Why? Because he loves you. He adores you. The God of heaven adores you. He does. And the fact is, he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to stay the way he found you. And we don't have to. We don't have to. Our condition is, I am in Christ. I have a new identity. I'm not who I used to be. And I must consider this true for myself. And I promise you, I promise you, when we start to believe by faith that this is the fact, it will change our lives. It will change our lives. 
He loves us. He adores us so much, he's not going to allow us to stay the same way he found us. I'm 48. I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. I'm forgetting more than I remember now. It's really bad. It's downhill after 48. Right? (laughs) I have to tell you something. I am more aware now that the bulk of my life is over. It's over. I mean, I, I have no... I have no fancy visions of being of doubling this age. I'm not going 96. I know it. I'll be like, I go 56. I'm not, I know. I don't want to be the same man I was 10 years ago. I don't. I, I want to. I want to know him better, to experience his fullness, to walk in obedience. I'm telling you, we can when we understand who we are in Christ. You're a, you're a son. You're a daughter of the king. The old man has been put to death. We are now alive unto Christ. It makes a difference. I'll close with this illustration. And I, I, I'm stealing the illustration. Like all illustrations, I steal all my illustrations. But Dan and Terry were at a conference just last week, a great conference. Um, and Dan, his eyebrows went up because I think he's got all these illustrations he's going to use from the conference. And I hope this is not one of them. But if it is, tell me and I'll stop. Thiabiti. How do you say his last name? Exactly. Um, I can never say his name. He's a great pastor. And he gave an example. Can I use the example about Harriet Tubman? Were you going to use it? Are you sure? All right. True story. Harriet Tubman of the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman, the famous ex-slave who was getting slaves out of the South and transporting them to the North, um, would, would lead them. Uh, to the um, Underground Railroad to Canada. And on one occasion, she had a group of slaves that she took off the plantation heading north. And in the journey, one of the men said, I'm going back. I'm going back. Um, and there's something about freedom that scares us because we, we, we know what it's like to be in, and we're comfortable there. We are comfortable there. And that's all he knew. And so this idea of leaving the plantation was really scary when he actually did it. And going back, was it seemed like the right thing to do. But Harriet Tubman knew that if he went back, all of those people who left would be in jeopardy, and, and things would be exposed, and it was very was dangerous. So sweet little Harriet Tubman took out a pistol and held it to the man's head and said this, go to freedom or die. Go to freedom or die on the spot. You're going to die. And several days later, he ended up in Canada. He made the right choice, right? Now listen, there's real truth to that for the believer, right? Go to freedom, man, because we're dying on the vine, and we don't have to. You don't have to. I'm telling you tonight, you don't have to be lazy anymore about your spiritual life, about getting up in the morning, about reading the Word of God, about having devotions, about coming to church faithfully, about being a right husband or a right wife or being a single person of integrity. You can. Go to freedom or die. Too many of us, we've been dying for a long time, but not the right way. Now let me just grab her statement here and mix it around a little bit. She said, go to freedom or die. And I would just say to you this evening, die and go to freedom. Die to self. Die to self-ambition. 
die to self-glory, die to self-promotion, die to self-whatever we put in there. And we do it. We all do it. And I would say tonight, die and go to freedom. Brother and sister in Christ, this is what God wants for us. And it's not like he's got this you know, carrot in front of the cart that we keep on. That's not how it works. He's given us everything that we need for godliness in life. Tonight, you must understand your condition. It's a new identity. The old man will put to death. They're alive in the God. But we must consider and reckon be true for us. And so, thank you, Harriet Tubman. You go to freedom or die. Go to freedom or die. And then I would say, die. Die to self. And go to freedom. Let's have a word of prayer.